Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at bite.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. What a day of corruption, of political retaliation, a day of homophobia, a day of racism, a day of punitive political gamesmanship, a day of pettiness, a day of vice, a day of injustice, a day of anti-First Amendment, a day of anti-parental rights, a day that mocked free speech and capitalism, and we're just talking about Florida. Hello to everyone listening to us on the podcast. We're, we're a podcast now. You know that, right? We, 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 after all these years, we're now a daily, a daily po- shortened version of us, daily podcast. You can hear. You can also listen to us on the app or on demand. However you are joining us, we are so happy to have you with us. The dude from The Cure is 63 years old. Let's have a great show, shall we? 866-997-GRIT is how you join the party. Let's begin. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I wanted to talk about a lot of things. And I began the day thinking, oh, well, we'll talk about the Florida Department of Health. Because, you know, I've got to think about what I'm going to rant about. As soon as I wake up, I, I if I'm not angry, I'm looking to get offended by something, right? That's what being a aware American is these days. So I figured when I was having breakfast, oh, Florida Department of Health. There's there's my umbrage of the day. Because I want you to remember all the way back, way back in time to Thursday morning, the 21st of April, Florida Department of Health issued guidelines ordering doctors to medically detransition all transgender youth and banned them from any social transition treatment, including name changes, pronoun changes, or clothing changes. This is from the party of Ron DeSantis, the party that used to be Abraham Lincoln's party, the party that once pretended to care about freedom and liberty and privacy. The memo from the Florida Department of Health 
said that social gender transition should not be an option for youth, including name, pronoun, and clothing changes. They're not suggesting this to doctors. They're forcing this. They're asking doctors to go against the American Medical Association. They're asking doctors to go against their Hippocratic oaths. I mean, imagine the pathology. Imagine the narcissism required to believe that your personal sense of what's icky should have that much control on someone you've never met's gender identity and their lives. Like, I woke up thinking, my God, the state of Florida is now interfering in decisions that parents make for their children and that doctors make for their patients. That's in what we call cancel culture right there. The state is telling doctors what clothes young people can and can't wear. The big government of Florida is telling doctors what names or pronouns kids can use. Um, <laughs> these things don't really involve medical practice. Doctors don't really control these decisions. So it makes no sense, right? Doctors don't decide what pronouns children will go by. Doctors don't decide what clothes trans kids will wear. So not only are they being cruel and mean and shitty, just for the only purpose of being cruel and mean and shitty, because Ron DeSantis thinks there's a few fake Christians that don't like him enough yet. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And we've been talking about Governor Ron DeSantis all along and his ridiculous, destructive hubris when he barely won that state. He barely won that state by 32,000 votes. And Charlie Crist, former Republican governor, now a Democrat running against him for his old job, Charlie Crist has a 23-point lead. I'm going to say that again. Charlie Crist has a 23-point lead. And Ron DeSantis has decided after winning by the barest of margins by groveling before Donald Trump, doughy mediocrity that he is, that instead he's going to declare war on trans children and their parents. He's going to declare war on doctors. And over the course of Thursday, the day after 420, and this was a day where you needed some 420 for 421, boy, howdy, let me tell you, Ron DeSantis decided to declare war on Disney and LGBTQ people, and African-American voting rights, and the First Amendment, and the $97 billion tourism industry of Florida, which employs over 1 million Floridians. Because as I'm sure you've heard over the course of the day, lawmakers in Florida voted to take away Walt Disney World's special tax status, which is nothing more than retribution and retaliation because Disney finally got around to criticizing the Don't Say Gay law. Now, if you're just waking up, the Don't Say Gay law was a really deeply shitty punitive law that helps no one, helps no one, that they passed last month. By the way, if you're a Republican or if you're a conservative who pretends you're a conservative, please call us and defend Ron DeSantis. We'd love to hear from you and talk about facts and morality and reality at, a, at our number. You can always call this show anytime at night, 866-997-GRIT. Even you folks listening on the podcast or on demand, you're all, all welcome to call anytime. So um, the law doesn't ban teachers from teaching people, kids, about being gay. They say it bans any discussion of gender identity or sexual orientation for grades uh, kindergarten through third, except that the law is so vaguely written that um, anyone can sue any teacher or any school district if any teacher tells any kid of any age and any grade something they don't like about gender identity or sexual orientation. They, the, the supporters of this bill have said it's an anti-grooming law, which is a complete, ugly, 
nasty, dirty lie. Uh, grooming is not addressed in the spill in any way. Um, forbidding mention of LGBT people or uh, forbidding discussion of gender identity has nothing to do with grooming. Grooming, <laughs> grooming children to be a homophobe is what they did. And it's what most of us grew up with. Okay, Grooming is when an adult begins a friendly relationship with a child in the hopes of eventually turning it sexual. That's pedophilia. Pedophilia has nothing to do with LBGT identity, has nothing to do with your gender identity. Grooming does not involve an adult forcing a child to change their gender because that can't happen. You're either trans or you're not, you're gay or you're not. Okay, Can you groom a child to be straight? No. So you got to shut what we call the fuck up. So, um, and again, it allows any Yahoo to sue anyone over this. So it's a big old mess. And technically, as we've discussed on the show, you could sue a teacher for talking about straight relationships. If you're not allowed to discuss sexual orientation and a teacher mentions mommy and daddy, you can sue. If a teacher talks about boys and girls, that's gender identity. You can sue over that too. You get the idea? They're idiots. And their cruelty is greater than their intelligence. So Disney didn't say anything when this law was passing. And God bless the employees of Disney who really leaned on their parent company heavily enough and showed that every now and then capitalism can respond to morality. Disney came out and condemned it. So (laughs) these idiots decided, hey, let's declare war on Disney. And they revoked Disney World's special tax status. It it, it revokes a privilege that essentially allowed Disney to self-govern their theme park. They had this special district created including the Reedy Creek Improvement District that governs Walt Disney World. No, Reedy Creek isn't that shitty Americana band you listen to in the Zeros. This is more cancel culture. Ron DeSantis sent an email a couple of weeks ago saying that he would not allow a woke corporation based in California to run our state. In other words, they love capitalism unless that capitalism exercises free speech, unless that capitalism calls out bullshit performative legislation. So today, the House of Representatives in Florida passed a bill stripping Disney of their special tax status on a vote of 70 to 38. I want to play a little tape so you can hear it, because Democrats were in the room loudly protesting the entire time. Mr. Speaker, I move the previous question on the bill. Representative Renner moves the previous question on the bill. This motion is not debatable. All in favor, say aye. All opposed, no. The motion passes. Members, the question now recurs on final passage of Senate Bill 6C. Clerk will unlock the machine. Members will proceed to vote. Okay, so you get an idea. So that bill is going to go to DeSantis' desk. He's going to sign it and make it a law. Now, this was not a case of uh, some insincere conservatives claiming that, oh, gee, you liberals, you don't want special tax breaks for corporations until you do. No, nothing to do with that. If, If conservatives actually cared about fair taxation about making wealthy corporations pay their fair share, they wouldn't be conservatives anymore. This Reedy Creek deal, I'm not denying, was a huge government giveaway 50-odd years ago that gave free reign to Walt Disney's corporation. And this special district encompasses Disney World in Florida. And by the way, they are in debt. And they have assured their investors their debt is going to be paid because they're a multi-billion dollar corporation. Now, the state legislature just passed a bill that can dissolve all of that. Is Ron DeSantis and the Florida Republicans, are they doing this because they believe powerful corporations should finally pay their fair share? No. They revoked the special status for the wrong reasons, and there will be some really 
painful fallout from this. You know who's going to get punished? Not Disney. Disney's a multi-billion dollar corporation. They'll be fine. Florida taxpayers. That's who are going to get hurt. The same people who will get hurt by the don't say gay law when every bloody bigoted Yahoo in Florida starts suing school districts for insufficient bigotry. This is so stupid. The elimination of the Reedy Creek Improvement District means the whole burden of paying for everything is now going to fall on Orange County and Osceola County. They will now assume all the expenses Disney is currently covering. This thing today didn't hurt Disney. It shifts the taxes Disney was paying onto the folks in Florida. Republicans are so angry that a billion-dollar corporation spoke out against their bigoted, stupid, do-nothing bill. They decided to own the libs by raising taxes on Florida citizens. Ron DeSantis going after a 55-year-old charter for pure, petty political revenge Well, it doesn't get much more big government than that, okay? Disney right now pays for that fire department. They pay for the power plant. Disney pays for all the roads. Not anymore. It's now going to be paid for by Florida taxpayers. Orange County's tax collector is named Scott Randolph, and he estimates the residents could see property taxes climb by as much as 20%. Reedy Creek carries $977 million in debt. That's going to go to the counties as well. Local governments are now going to have to provide all these services. And how are they going to do it? Property taxes. If you live in Central Florida, this is the time for you to wake up. Reedy Creek Improvement District has about a billion dollars in bonds. So taking that away from Disney is going to put about 2,200 to 2,800 of extra debt on every resident in Orange County. Your taxes in Florida will go up because of what your doughy mediocrity of a governor did today. Let's quote uh, Rick Wilson. He said the DeSantis attack on Disney will cost Florida taxpayers at least $2 billion, and residents of the two counties where Disney resides an average of 2200 more per household. DeSantis is working hard to kill the golden goose of Central Florida tourism. Republican leaders once at least mouthed the correct pieties about the free market, free speech, and government staying out of the workings of private enterprise. Today, the message is quite the opposite. Government control of corporation speech, internal policies, and behavior is precisely what the DeSantis assault on Disney's rather anodyne objections to his Don't Say Gay bill represents. And why did this happen today? Why is this catastrophic piece of bullshit that's going to hurt the hardworking folks of Florida, some of whom were dumb enough to believe the Republican Party? It's going to hurt them the most. Why? Well, on the surface, it's because, yeah, Disney opposed the Don't Say Gay law. <laughs> you know, this is a place, by the way, where all these Republicans are fine with Matt Gates in Congress. You can't say gay in school, but Venmoing money to a minor, just fine. But the real reason they did this today, the real reason they're punishing Disney for opposing Republican LGBT bigotry was to distract from Republican racism. Because something else happened today in the Florida legislature. It got a lot of coverage. Not as much coverage as Disney. But today, the same day Florida used Disney, because they knew that would get the headlines and distract from their approval of a new congressional map that severely curtails black voting power in the state. They took a final vote today while black lawmakers were having a sit-in on the floor of the legislature. Now, this plan was also drawn by Governor Doe Mediocrity, And it gives Republicans a huge boost in the state legislature. And it is one of the most gerrymandered maps you will ever see. As it is, Republicans usually win 
uh, about 16 of the 28 congressional districts in Florida. 16 out of 28. Not bad. After what they did today, they're going to win 20 of the 28 districts. It eliminates two out of four districts where black Floridians have historically been able to elect who they want to elect. Here's what it's all about. This new gerrymandered map that happened today completely eliminates the 5th Congressional District of Florida. That goes from Jacksonville to Tallahassee. My parents live near there. Beautiful country. 46% of that district is black. And they are represented by a Democrat, Al Lawson. Congressman Lawson is also black. And Ron DeSantis has been calling for years to get rid of the district because he says it's unlawfully drawn based on race. So... There was a proposal that would have still allowed black voters in Jacksonville to elect who they want, but they vetoed that. This map now breaks the district up into four little pieces, and in all four little pieces, that 46% that's African-American, now they're a tiny percentage of four new majority white districts. That's what they did today. That's bigger than Disney. DeSantis says that the law allows them to dismantle the district. Voting rights experts say this totally disregards laws designed to protect minority voters. And now, after what they did and destroyed the 5th Congressional District into four little ones, Republicans are now favored to win all four. At one point today, uh, Representative Randy Fine, he's a Republican. He was vice chair of the redistricting committee. He's against this. He said he's opposed to having districts that prevent minorities from electing who they want just because they now no longer comprise a majority of voters. This Republican said, when we guarantee that a group of people gets to select the candidate of their choice, what we're saying is we're guaranteeing that those who aren't part of that group get no say. Chew on that for a little bit. This is what the 1965 Voting Rights Act was supposed to prevent, guys. This kind of voting discrimination, where any time enough black folks are in one area to have enough electoral power that they can choose the representation they want, you break it up. And you make those districts small and part of larger white districts. You're splitting up minority communities to dilute the power of your vote. And it's disgusting. Black Democratic lawmakers stopped the final debate of the bill Thursday morning, just before noon. They had a prayer vigil. They were chanting. One representative was seen wiping tears from her eyes. The Republicans responded to this by turning off the Wi-Fi in the legislature building. And they kicked all the journalists out without saying why. When the Florida Democrats had the protest on the floor calling out Ron DeSantis for denying black Floridians representation through gerrymandering, the Florida Republicans turned off the Wi-Fi and kicked out all the reporters. The sergeant at arms literally removed an AP photographer from the floor because he was taking pictures of the demonstration. And they cut off the Wi-Fi so the story couldn't get out because they're idiots Once again, their evil is outmatched by their stupidity. And they reconvened and had the final vote while the protest was still continuing. We don't have audio of that. They wouldn't let it be seen. So what are you going to do about it? What can we do about it? Well, here's what Rick Wilson, I'll quote him again. He's been on the show. One idea is to go hard against DeSantis in the Florida governor's race, if you're Disney. But I'd argue against it. 
As a general in this war, he's hard to kill politically. So why not take some of his enablers off the battlefield? Disney should identify a dozen or so Florida State House and Senate races and invest 25 to $30 million into breaking the GOP majority in the state. For the Florida GOP, that amount of money is a significant lift. For Disney, it's a rounding error. Make every Florida senator who sponsored this monstrosity rise from their normally serene, easy reelections and suffer. Now, again, Rick's talking about Disney. It's not just Disney. In one day, they attacked trans children and their parents. They attacked doctors. They attacked the American Medical Association. They attacked the free speech of a corporation. They attacked black voting rights. And they continue to attack LGBT people and those who don't hate them. And this whole bill, this whole don't say gay bill, it's all legislative blackmail. What they did today has a a short clause establishing that these special districts would be dissolved Effective June 1st, 2023. Not for another year. In other words, after the midterms where DeSantis is up for re-election. <laughs> They're hoping they can blackmail Disney into playing ball. Florida law also says that special districts like Disney's that were created by the legislature can only be dissolved with a majority vote of the district's landowners. And for Reedy Creek, that's the Disney company. So folks... Nothing's going to happen here. Nothing's going to happen. The cruelty is the point. It's all performative. They are doing nothing for anyone except inspiring the revoltingly fake Christians who already like Ron DeSantis. This right-wing party of small government is trying to manage women's uteruses. They're banning abortion. They're trying to manage pediatric care. They're trying to manage elementary school education. They're trying to manage what children wear. They're trying to manage amusement parks. They're trying to regulate what children call themselves. That's the party of small government. I got to say, for a party full of homophobes, these Republicans are showing they're fabulous at performative theater. Except theater, unlike Republicans, actually creates jobs. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Corey Brettschneider is a professor with a Ph.D. in politics from Princeton and a law degree from Stanford. He uses them to fight crime, call out malfeasance, and enrich students' lives in the poli-sci department at Brown. You've read his stuff in Time and the New York Times and Politico. You should own his book already, The Oath in the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents. Buy it at your favorite bookstore or his Penguin Liberty series on free speech, impeachment, and RBG's notable cases. We got a lot to get to, Professor. Welcome back. Thanks, John. Looking forward to the conversation as always. 
thrilled to have you. Let's talk about John Eastman. We had uh, our friend Glenn Kirshner on the show last night, and we did a bit of a deep dive into this guy. Um, but I've been dying to talk about it with you because it just seems to keep on getting dirtier and dirtier. He just revealed, and we didn't even cover this, that that he has a ser- attorney-client privilege on about 37,000 of emails related to his work for Donald Trump in the effort to throw out the votes of the majority of the American people. Who is John Eastman, Corey, and why should all Americans start paying a lot of attention to this man's name? Uh, John Eastman's a former law professor. He was the dean uh, of Chapman Law School at one point, uh, 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 affiliated uh, with a group of scholars at Claremont um, uh, who... um, are very conservative, uh, to say the least. Uh, but more importantly, you know, this kind of obscure legal scholar, law professor, uh, became, worked his way into the inner circle of Donald Trump and really has turned out, as the reporting is revealing, to be not just some guy with ideas, but a kind of crank who convinced Trump that this was a legal process that he would undergo the attempt to basically... Uh, uh, undermine the election. And he came up with a theory of how to do so, um, uh, which is all about the notion that if you read Bush versus Gore very closely, specifically the concurrence by Justice Rehnquist, it sort of offers (laughs) a a key into uh, how our system really works. And and that's basically that state legislatures have complete control uh, over the process. Now, there's some truth to that. We could talk about the truth that's there. But what he turned it into was this uh, kind of uh, ability of a combination of the states working with the vice president to undermine the election, to refuse to certify the votes. And of course, that was what happened on January yeah. 6th. That was a big part of the plan. Uh, and now a federal judge has ruled that based on the evidence that he's seen from the January 6th committee, that this was, as, as the job paraphrased, but it was such a, a great line, uh, so I'll come as close as I can, uh, that this was uh, a conspiracy, a criminal conspiracy in search of a legal theory, that all this yeah. kind of mumbo-jumbo that he was talking about was really an attempt to illegally work with Trump to overturn uh, the election. So now that we've got this um, issue of the, uh, he's desperate, there's something going on in these emails that we have to see uh, because he's just stretching and stretching. Uh, one thing he's saying now is that he was Trump's lawyer, and so that any emails between him and the president are privileged uh, under attorney-client privilege. A problem with that is it's really not clear that he was Trump's lawyer. He was Correct. his advisor, but that's different than being a lawyer. Uh, the other thing is, uh, this is the most important, is just given what I just said, the fact that there was criminal action here is an exception. Uh, to the um, attorney-client privilege. You can't use attorney-client privilege to plot a murder, for instance, and, and you also can't use it to plot an insurrection. Yeah, it's it's pretty shocking. And I got to say, um, Judge David Carter has been ferocious in, in this matter. He's a U.S. District Court judge, and he's the guy who last month ruled that he believes Eastman and Trump more likely than not, engaged in a criminal conspiracy to obstruct Congress. And what's really interesting is that he, after we've learned the things that John Eastman said and did, and how he was, when pitching this plan to his co-conspirators, was saying that every court would reject this and the Supreme Court would throw him out of court, meaning he knew it wasn't legal. And so the judges said that he and Trump are guilty of 
two felonies, and the two felonies are obstructing the work of Congress because they wouldn't allow Congress to certify the votes and conspiring to defraud the United States. How important is it that the American people start familiarizing themselves with these two charges, obstructing the work of Congress and conspiring to defraud the United States? Yeah, I, I think that the, the two charges are important. It's the, basically the, the, it was the, it's the technical way to describe you know, the two of the crimes that, that take place when you try to undermine uh, an election. I think it's a particular kind of obstruction, too. It's the obstruction of Congress at its most vulnerable and important moment, the certification of the electoral votes and, the, and the, what had been until Trump, the peaceful transition of power. So uh, to my mind, any, you know, the reason why this judge is so rightly uh, bring the hammer down and, and why it would be so important for us to focus on it is uh, because Congress does all sorts of things that are important. And, you know, Trump was there was an article of impeachment, for instance, when Trump uh, obstructed the impeachment inquiry. I think that was called for. That was a bad thing that Trump did. But it's nothing like the criminal offense here of trying to basically destroy our democracy. And, and these are the technical ways of describing that broader point. I mean, you mentioned how the January 6th committee has already had some doubts about whether this guy was actually officially legally Trump's lawyer because he, he had a retainer, but he had never signed it back in 2020. Uh, the judge has said, yeah, he really was the lawyer. But what's fascinating to me as well, Professor, is that all of these emails that we're talking about, these thousands and thousands of emails, were all sent from his account at Chapman University where he used to work until he departed after January 6th. And the committee subpoenaed the university. And then Eastman sued his own school, his own former employers, and sued the committee just to try to slow down this process. Is that something that innocent people who are looking to clear their name do, Corey? There's something in those emails. I mean, I I don't know why he would would be fighting this hard. Uh, And as you say, not just just, you know, fighting directly, but, but going after this private university that he part of that he used to help run. Uh, it's got to be that there's something something in there. And the more he, he digs, you know, to try to keep us from finding it, the more I certainly want to see what's there. And, you know, for a federal judge to make that that known that he thinks that it's more likely than not that a crime was committed here. That means there's just a lot of evidence already. Uh, so, you know, of course, when there's smoke, there's fire. There's, there's just, you know, we've got to, we've got to uncover this. And I think we're only first now that we're coming out of it, um, realizing what we're doing. We're uncovering not just a crime uh, by a now private citizen, but we're uncovering one of the biggest assaults on our democracy that we've ever seen. I mean, it's always been fragile, I think, American democracy. We've had other moments uh, where things didn't go smoothly. Uh, we had the election of 1800 very early on in the republic's history where electoral college deadlocked and a new amendment had to be passed to make sure that it didn't happen again that came as a result of having um uh basically a system that allowed for competition between the vice president and president uh, the top two candidates trying to fill those two offices um uh not running on it on a ticket together in the way that we have now we had the election of 1876 um, that deadlocked that resulted in the end of Reconstruction because a bargain was struck between Republicans and Democrats, a really awful moment in history that, that ended civil rights, really, in the 19th century because the, the system didn't 
doesn't work. But what we've never had, including in those two instances, is a, an election that uh, the transition of power wasn't just stopped and there weren't just legal maneuvers to stop it, um, but but where there really was an attempt to just violently and also through this illegal obstruction of Congress, uh, masking itself as some fancy legal theory uh, to try to try to undo our democracy, to try to stop it. That that's a, a awful moment. And that's why we're so focused on it uh, right now. We're not being obsessive. We're not being vindictive. We're trying to protect our democracy to find out what allowed this to unfold and to ensure especially that it never happens again. Amen. I mean, I, I hope that when they finally wake Merrick Garland up, uh, that he's flaming mad about this. Um, <laughs> thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Uh, so, so you know, it seems like this is yesterday's news to some. I mean, they had 60 different court cases that were thrown out, some with extreme right. prejudice. People have been disbarred over this. It's become a joke. And now these same Trump allies, led by Eastman, are still trying to say he didn't lose the election, even though they've had no evidence, even though when they had this massive out-of-state funded recount audit of the election in Arizona, Joe Biden wound up with even more votes. The more they scrutinized the votes, the more they found that the only voter fraud has been mostly committed by Trump supporters. And now in this new article in the New York Times, this week, this week, Trump allies continue legal drive to erase his loss, stoking election doubts. Corey, 15 months after they tried and failed to overturn the 2020 election using lies, using mobs, using violence, using Rudy Giuliani with spray on (laughs) hair dye under hot lights at a press conference. They're still trying to decertify the vote. It's it's really, you know, that that was quite a story. But, you know, as shocking as it is, it's shocking, but also not surprising in that. Uh, look, the guys claiming that it was always up to state legislatures to undo what what they had agreed to. I mean, the, I should just clarify, the Constitution gives a lot of power to state legislatures over their own electors. But what it allows them to do is to pass laws to decide how those electors are going to be allocated. So you can do so, as all states have, by the majority um, uh, by some majoritarian principle, either the majority of the state or the majority of a district. But they have the option to have the state legislature create a process where they would send a kind of cardinal, uh, 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 you know, like in the selection of the pope, uh, a kind of conclave of cardinals from that state. That was one thing that the framers imagined. But what it didn't do was allow after the fact, uh, you know, months later, in fact, to, to, to revoke. Uh, whatever process, whatever legal process they had chosen. And that's really what's going on here. And, uh, you know, it's it's both frightening and and odd that um, that uh, there would be an attempt to 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 do this. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's, you know, <laughs> unprecedented, outrageous. But also if Eastman is going to prove his crazy theory right, that, you know, basically, even on January 6th, that state legislatures could revoke their electors or choose the real slate that they wanted, that they had complete power. It follows that, okay, he can do it now, months later, too. Right. And uh, you see how absurd it is, though. It, it, it shows the danger, the ridiculousness of the well, whole it, theory that, that it, Trump and yeah. he have. It just seems like either these lawyers are just tap dancing to try to keep from getting disbarred and, and keep the doubts alive 
or that Donald Trump is paying these lawyers to keep stoking these fires because he needs anger and umbrage for him to play victim in advance of a 2024 run. Um, This guy Eastman once clerked for J. Michael Luddick, who's a very conservative lawyer, former appeals court judge. George W. Bush considered making him the nominee to be chief justice of the United States. Judge Luddick said, he's quoted in this Times article, at the moment, there's no other way to say it. This is the clearest and most present danger to our democracy. Trump and his supporters in Congress and in the states are preparing now to lay the groundwork to overturn the election in 2024, were Trump or his designee to lose the vote for the presidency. Yeah, I think that um, uh, Judge Luddick has put it exactly right. Um, and I'll just elaborate on, on why it is, you know, that's not hyperbole, but th- this is really true. Uh, I've said that the theory is crazy and that, you know, it's wrong for all the reasons I've said. But the thing that I was talking about, the, the sort of small aspect of it that's true, the power of state legislatures, um, that combined with what really is a very convoluted process, if you think about it. I mean, we haven't really looked at it so closely as, as, as we have to after January 6th. But think about it. You know, the slate of electors has to be chosen. There has to be rules about how they're chosen. Uh, then it has to be certified by um, this uh, session of Congress with the vice president presiding. Right. Uh, uh, all of this is, you know, cumbersome, to say the least. And it's got <sighs> moments where the gears can be uh, gummed up. And that's what's going on. Eastman is really doing that. That's the danger to our democracy, that you could take this really fragile thing. And, yeah. you know, I started out with that history lesson about 1800, 1876, to show that there have been over really important elections, contested elections, uh, not violence in the way that we just had, but but things that approach it. And what it all amounts to is the, the system is really fragile. And that's why this isn't just a crank, but it's a, 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 a person that really has found the uh, vulnerability of our system and, and could topple it. And, and that's a frightening thought, but it's true. Corey, with our remaining time, I want to shift over to the Basque mandate because we talked a lot on the show about how a president who twice lost the popular vote of the American people, appointed a judge, Judge Mizell, who the American Bar Association said was unqualified to be a judge. And this one person undid the CDC's mask rule, even though this person is not in any way a medical professional. I heard people saying, they they got rid of the mask mandate. I'm like, no, they didn't. One person did. And there's this interesting piece in CNN Um, about how the Supreme Court's conservatives influenced the ruling against the CDC mask requirements. Now, I know that this judge, Mizell, who gutted this rule, once clerked for Clarence Thomas. Yes. um, You know, sometimes the real, I mean, I don't know another way to put it, because this is how I feel about this judge and this ruling. But, you know, the, the real idiots are not the pioneers of something. They're the second and third generation of, of students of those people. Yeah. And that's really what you've got here. You know, you have Justice Scalia, who really, you know, I don't agree with. But he was obviously a smart guy. He came up with this theory of how to judge. And uh, you should really look at the text of statutes and the Constitution very closely in the words. And then, you know, two or three generations later, down the, down the pole, you get judges like this who take that theory and just make a mockery of it. And, you know, just reading her opinion, it's I'm trying to understand 
what her argument is. But basically, she looks at the statute that allows the um, Center for Disease Control to exist and just tries to read it in the narrowest possible way. It's like a kind of comic book version of Scalia. She's basically saying, look, they never said anything about mass mandates in the statute. Now, you're not going to have a statute that's ever that detailed, not even Hammurabi's code, you know, which was the most detailed code in, in history, trying to come up with every possible scenario would have that example in it. And so the fact that she can't find an explicit mention of mass mandates that, that she finds exactly. other words adjacent, she thinks that, that it doesn't exist, there's no power here. And it, it's just a really narrow, silly way of judging. Well, she can't find judge. that. She can't find that, but she can look back to 2020, before a million Americans had died from this, and she can see this conservative Trump Supreme Court um, gutting, having uh, capacity requirements for churches and synagogues. She can see the right. Supreme Court in 2020, uh, you know, gutting the uh, the OSHA vaccine requirement. I right. mean, like, like these have nothing to do with wearing masks, but she's just doing other shitty rulings of the court that the Supreme Court passed against public safety. And now a million dead Americans later, without any precedent, it's like she's pretending she has precedent, even though these other cases had nothing to do with masks in airplanes and airports and buses and trains. Yeah, she's pretending to go back to the statute and to discover something that nobody else was smart enough to do it. You know, it's one of these things that incompetent people think they're beyond competent and that everybody else is dumb. And that really is what she's saying. Everybody else in America, all the other judges, everybody else who's looked at this, they haven't seen what I've seen. I'm the only one smart enough to go back to the original statute that created the CDC. Uh, and, you know, that's what a real moron does. And I'm using harsh <laughs> words to describe a judge, but, you know, it, it is that level of dumb. I mean, as a moron, I'm kind of offended because I'm a moron who at least cares about public health. Uh, the DOJ... Um, That's better. Is, it, I would have preferred that on the court. <laughs> well, it seems like the DOJ is going to push back on that, but it also seems like they're playing this game of wait and see because if a lot of people start getting COVID on planes and dying, then they'll fight back and it'll make the White House look good. If everyone's fine, then they won't do anything, and Joe Biden can say you had to stop wearing masks on my watch. It sort of they seems really like they're— really got to fight it in, in court, though, because if you don't, there's a worry that this ruling, you know, it's a national— One thing that federal judges have an enormous power to do, and sometimes this is a good thing, like in the travel ban case, for instance, is to create national injunctions. And that's what she did. She took this ruling and made a national policy around it. That's obviously why we can't— um, why, why all these mandates fell almost immediately. So we can't allow that to stay because that then becomes precedent. And the worry is that future courts, you know, might somehow defer to it if there isn't a cruel, a very clear rebuke, which I think would come upon appeal. Wow. So I really hope Judge Mazel demands, if she ever has surgery, that no one in the operating theater wear a mask, since in her medical opinion, masks don't do anything. She said, except, uh, except stop droplets. That, that's all we want them to do. <laughs> it's madness, Professor. It. Just madness. Corey, thank you so much for cutting through the nonsense and, and the malfeasance. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work? Uh, on the Twitter, at BrettSchneiderC, or CoreyBrettSchneider.com. And uh, buy a copy of The Oath in the Office, and you can read all about how to judge. Seriously, everybody, buy a copy of The Oath in the Office. I keep it by my bedside. It's so fantastic. Corey, thank you for being so consistently excellent and using your expertise for the good of the American people. Really appreciate it. Thanks, thank you. John. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. 
a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, Brent in South Carolina, thanks for waiting on hold. Hey, John. Hey. It's Brent from South Carolina. How are you? The uh, Dick Riley Democrat. Okay. I told you I would call in. Sure. Finally. What's so, on your mind? Um, we can't we can't say gay in South Carolina. We we've never been able to say gay. We could lose our teaching certificate for that. So wow, Jesus, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. I know, really. And we we have actually we have a teacher running for um, secretary of education, which is a first for for a while. Um, the last one was in the classroom for like two years. This one's been in the classroom for 15 years, so, oh, but great. she's running as a Democrat, so in South Carolina, it's going to be a, a hard... Um, a hard sell. Hard fight. Yeah. Oh, now, my, oh, yeah. my understanding is y- y'all have had that law since 2019? Which one? That don't say gay in the classrooms? Oh, no. No, we, can, we can't. I'm a science teacher, so I, I teach sex education. You can't mention anything about gay families or gay people at all what happens if it's let's say a teacher asks you about it let's say let's say a student asks you a question pertaining to to, nope you can't talk about it what what would you say uh, what would you what would you say if a student asked you what would you what kind of corner would that put you into professionally what would you have to say to that student to give them a non-answer that's a hard question actually um i would be i would probably be like you maybe should ask your guidance counselor. And as as a gay man, that puts me in a corner too. Yeah, because you know? what happens if you actually come out and just speak the truth to your class? What would yeah. happen? You can't, you can't do that. Even even to the students that that have um, genuine questions, you can't do that. Mm. So it you know it's stupid. I mean, this is literally we're having this the same week that like. Your state got thwarted from murdering a guy with a firing squad. I, I just, I oh swear God. to God, your state I is can't. so beautiful. I love your state. My producer is living in your state right now, but it's just, it's um, just so confederate. Foghorn Leghorn is in charge. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Cunningham is running against him for governor. Um, what do you think about Joe? What do I think? I don't know enough about him. Mm-hmm. Don't know enough about him. Well, he he um he's the first he turned the one of the first red um was it um representative sections 
um, blue. What, okay. Four years ago, but he but he lost the next one. So wow. because Trump, obviously. Yeah. Um, it sounds he, like yeah, he's I, keep, I keep hearing about how your state already has like a don't say gay bill under consideration in your state, but it sounds like right. it's it's already there. And I remember a, a public policy polling a couple of years back in 2015 did a poll that showed that 70 percent of South Carolina voters say gay marriage hasn't negatively affected their lives. Fifty seven percent of Republicans in South Carolina say marriage equality hasn't negatively affected their lives. Do you have hope that the young people in South Carolina are going to drag your state into the 21st century? I mean, it, well, I just have to believe these homophobes need to die off. Well, the ones I know, the young people, they don't care. They don't care. They don't care at all. Exactly. And, you know, the people like Jim DeMint are still funneling money into education, and they're still fighting these bills. Wow. Yeah. I, it's just... it's that man, that, man, that man does not go away, you know? You know what? I mean, I'm sure that you've had incidents where there have been students that you've known were gay, and you oh, just yeah. knew that you couldn't reach out to them as a teacher. You couldn't nope. be the person nope. that they can turn to. Nope. What if a gay student came to you in private and said, can I talk to you? Because this happened to me as a child on Long Island, and I would have gay kids come out to me because they knew I... I new gay people i worked in theater and they felt like i was safe exactly they were so scared but what would happen if a gay yep. kid came to you or even a guidance counselor in your school and just ask right. you know for some support would you be able to offer it nope you can't you can't because there's enough churches around here that would crucify me as a teacher jesus. for talking to a student about that exactly and meanwhile, guess, Jesus uh, never said a thing about gay people. Jesus never condemned same-sex relationships in any oh. way. These people are revoltingly false Christians. I remember last year in your state where the hate crimes bill, they had to, they had to write out protecting gay and transgender people because the Republican Party wouldn't exactly. support it. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Well, I just uh, looked it up. PBS NewsHour did a story about Florida's bill, and they mentioned a lot of states that have had these on the books for a while. And it says that South Carolina passed their version in 1988. Yeah. yeah. And that oh. that's probably the one I was talking about. Wow. Um, as, yeah. yeah. It, it relates ex explicitly. A lot of the early ones, like South Carolina and Alabama and a bunch of other states that did it back then, it all relates around sex ed. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And and these kids, and these kids are, that are raised like I was as a Southern fucking Baptist. Yeah. I know. I know where they're coming from. You know? Yeah. Oh, you're such a gentleman. You're such a good man. I can just I can just I can just feel your heart from here. <laughs> and I know you care so much. And I want to thank you because you could have you could left you could leave your state and go someplace where it's saner, but you're staying there and you're gonna be part of oh, the no. progress that will inevitably come oh, to your I'm, state. I'm still trying. I'm still trying. Oh. I listened to the uh Black Democrat caucus. Yeah. Um they had their um their FaceTime tonight, or not their FaceTime, their Zoom tonight. Okay. And it was amazing. I can't. I'm trying. I'm trying, John. I'm trying. God bless you. God bless. Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Hey, Brent, call up anytime. What a gentleman. I'm so honored to have you call our show. We are not worthy. You're, you're the real deal. Thank you very, very much for your service.